Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Channel 9 of the STRY Radio Network, where stories live. Welcome to the Ninth Story Podcast. This is Season 6, Episode 6. I am Immortal Alexander. I'm Jeanette Andromeda, and uh, we are a podcast about writing, and today's topic is, how do you write dialogue? To help us with this topic is the writer and producer of the audio drama podcast, Sable Lane Lloyd. Welcome, Lane. (laughs) You fools. It's going to take all our Bringing me back. (laughs) I I, I can't finish the joke. Do it. Do it. (laughs) No. Hi, everybody. I'm Lane. Sometimes I make bad jokes that I don't think ahead of. (laughs) I want to hear what it was. <laughs> I don't even remember. That's the problem. It like it, it, it was maniacal away. laugh. You fools! You thought you could talk to me about talking, but I will continue to talk forever. I think you like something about having us having you back. We've got what? you back. Oh. <laughs> you think... oh well, you're you're just morons for having me back on the show. Fine, <laughs> we'll take you. <laughs> I don't know. You entertain us, so. Oh, now you're I'm, here. No, I'm nothing if not a dancing chimp. <laughs> yeah. <Yay>. I won't <laughs> disagree with that. <laughs> you're our if dancing you wanna... chip, and we love you. <laughs> it's true. If you want to see the private videos, just uh, DM me, and I'll give you my private Twitter account. <laughs> Lane Lloyd after dark. We'll feed you granola bars <laughs> and uh, Fruit Loop shakes, and we'll keep hell you, yeah, we'll keep you and love you forever. That's all I've wanted. <laughs> Fuck everything. I'm going to move in with you guys. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Our chairs this are is... less squeaky, so when you're recording, it won't be so distracting. So, <laughs> Lane has a podcast called Sable. It's an audio drama podcast, and there's tons and tons and tons and tons of dialogue in there. That's why we thought it'd be great to have Lane come on to talk about how do you actually write dialogue and write it well. So, Lane, have you always been drawn to writing heavy dialogue stories uh yes actually um i remember uh might have been ninth grade english class uh my teacher at the time was very invested in myself and a friend of mine because we were the only people in english class who i slurred my words there um we were the only people in english class who had any sort of passion for writing and we were both like, we're going to be novelists when we grow up. Mm-hmm. So uh, she had, um, you know, had said, hey, you know, every week bring in a chapter of whatever you're working on and, and we'll talk about it. And I didn't realize it until she had brought it up after reading the stories. But I was more interested in dialogue than descriptors. I was more interested in the speaking part of stories than Uh, you know, what most people would probably go to a novel for, Mm -hmm. you know, very descriptive scenes. Um, I've tried to develop the other one um, just as much as the dialogue, because I think they're both equally important. 
But I think with my uh, love of film and TV, I just naturally um, gravitated towards dialogue. And I wanted to make sure that my dialogue was <laughs> at least at least up to my standards. <laughs> That's commendable. So, uh, I mean, because I, I mean, there's a lot of times you generally be reading a book and then there'll be some weird reaction or non-reaction. Oh, and then I'll just get like angry about it and yeah. tell you all about it. Be like, Alex, this character said blah, and it was dumb. And it makes no sense <laughs> compared to what her inner monologue is. This is just it makes that's that's one of those things that'll make me just go on a nerd rant. Is bad dialogue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm the same exact way. I've stopped I've stopped watching movies. I've stopped playing <laughs> games. I've stopped reading books, where I thought the dialogue was really bad. Actually, there are. <laughs> There are a lot of comic book writers that people hold in high regard that I can't read a single fucking thing they write because it just drives me insane. Mm -hmm. Because I'm just like, no normal human would talk like this. What do you mean? This is ironic, Batman. (laughs) They'll just be climbing up the ladder. (laughs) Batman, I was just perusing the library the other day when I was contemplating on the the history of life and yeah, nope. it's like you're running you're running from killer croc you don't have enough you have time to say oh shit and <laughs> and run yeah and here's uh, here's this uh can of shark repellent i just found here you go <laughs> actually not to go too far off uh topic but i was reading all-star batman by uh scott snyder which Mm. is not a bad which is not a bad comic that's not one of the bad ones i was talking about and uh he brings up shark repellent and i was i was very happy i'm 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 happy when people acknowledge the the stupid history of batman (laughs) (laughs) instead of just always be like no he's always serious he's always dark and blah Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh yeah totally (laughs) so lane (laughs) <laughs> We're gonna start every question with how do you so ma- lane? <laughs> how do you make dialogue feel more natural? I watch a lot of uh, movies. I also just I am naturally a listener to conversations. Uh, I'm I'm more than likely not interested in what's being said at a coffee shop, but I pay attention to the words someone's using and the the way they're saying it. And I kind of use that to influence how I have my characters talk. Um, there was, I can't remember his name, but there was a film director who would actually, and maybe others do this, it's probably just not him, but he would go into uh, Central Park with a recorder and he would just sit there for hours on end and just record people's conversations mm-hmm. And that's how he made his uh, characters seem more lifelike. Yeah, by just stealing it, <laughs> stealing it from real life. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he may have he may have copied like things he actually heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as a writer, isn't that kind of what we do? Regardless, we we learn little things, we learn little snippets, and we kind of just mash it all together into into something new. Here's the thing: I would argue that all creators of whatever do that (laughs) like art like art especially art you are always copying and stealing something Mm -hmm. you're just you're using those little pieces to make your own thing but (laughs) i hate to be the one to tell you (laughs) you're not fully original and that goes for me too (laughs) like it's it's how you use the things you've collected 
Absolutely. That make it interesting. And that's why you just have to keep collecting so that no one figures it out. <laughs> exactly. You... <laughs> uh, so is the driving force of a conversation always a specific want or need in order to make it a good conversation? Uh, I don't think so. Ooh. I think, I mean, maybe it depends on what you're writing, but I don't think every conversation you have your characters in has to necessarily be driving the plot forward or driving you to the next scene or even the next conversation. I think sometimes conversations can be a really good tool to just let you know about the character or characters themselves. I think it can just be used as a, a character development tool and not always necessarily a plot uh, pusher. I like to see the conversations where there's more character development happening also um, because yeah. I think too often conversation becomes a way to gloss over things we'd rather see happen. Mm-hmm. Where, like, that's another pet peeve of mine when I'm reading a, a book and then they spend so much time talking about something that we already just saw. It's like, let me tell you the story of, can you just cut that that chunk out? Because I don't actually need to relive this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially with your bad storytelling now that you're just a character telling a story like a person would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I agree. I think yeah. that's awesome. Though it did surprise me that you uh, don't always feel like there's a specific want. Because sometimes a conversation is just about the character interacting or getting to know them. Not necessarily yeah. what is, like, do you always have a purpose when you're speaking, Alex? I don't. I don't. <laughs> sometimes I don't even think. Oh, I, I know for a fact I don't have a purpose when I talk most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> just random sounds spelling out of my head it's fine yeah just, i'll open up the door and just scream uh <laughs> don't we all or, or i'll just or what i've been doing recently i'll just scream john wick <laughs> you killed my dog part two. Oh my god <laughs> so lame when developing a character is envisioning how they will speak one of your first steps in fleshing them out. I would say subconsciously yes. I don't I don't know if I I like constantly think about how they speak. It does it does, you know, become uh, important especially when you're you're making so many characters like I made the fucking mistake of doing. Uh, <laughs> you uh, like I think the first characters I made for Sable, I didn't worry about, you know, how they spoke or, 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 you know, the kind of dialogue they would have. Once I got to like, you know, the third or the fourth character, I was like, mm, maybe I need to find a way to make their voice sound different and not even like the tone or, you know, the accent, just like how they speak compared to everybody else. I think you know, after a couple characters, that's when I was like, okay, I really need to pay attention to this or everyone's just going to sound like Crow. And what ways did, would you try to mix up their pattern of speech to help them have a little bit more of a unique voice? Uh, I thought about people I knew in my life and the the way they talk, uh, my family especially, because my family is a, 
a regular old kaleidoscope of <laughs> different walks of life. So I, I pulled a lot of influences from them and, and also myself. Um, there are a couple characters in there that speak the way I would normally speak. So Lane. Yes. Uh, <laughs> if a conversation starts to feel flat, what do you do to try and improve it? Um, I think we, I think we kind of talked about this. Okay. The not, not, no, not this exact question, but like I brought up like a similar tactic that I did. Um, of how I uh, I tend to write things out. Um, with dialogue, if it starts feeling flat, I'll walk away and I'll look like a fucking crazy person and act out the way that I want it to <laughs> to work. Mm-hmm. And I and I make it even worse for myself because I whisper it the whole time. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> so Lane. Yes. How does gender affect the dialogue of your characters? I don't know if I think about dialogue in terms of gender, and and maybe I should. I just I don't think I do, huh? I actually think that's, that's a... one of the beautiful things about your writing is because you go from gender neutral to just you really play with that spectrum, and I I do find it interesting that your characters' dialogue, just as a someone who's listened to a lot of your stories, mm-hmm. um, they they really don't. They don't have a gender basis for how they talk. It's character basis. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I think you're right because I, I don't know. I just I, <laughs> I feel bad because I don't have an answer to this. That is okay. <laughs> <laughs> so since you don't change your dialogue based on gender, um, but you do seem to change it based on when or where they are, because in Sable you jump to different time periods and realities. Um, how do you change the manner of speech or the verbiage based on when and where they are? Um, I think, I think the only example I can think of is, uh, Boggs tends to change the way they speak depending on, uh, which version I'm dealing with. Um, and actually I think Boggs is kind of the only character I really went into making different in each reality because uh, their whole thing was they got into the simulation and they said, well, fuck it. I'm going to spread my personality through every possible universe. So it took on, Oh, I just punched my desk for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) I got really excited about it. Um, (laughs) You know, they spread themselves over every possible uh, universe. And so because of that, each one kind of took on a different, uh, perspective so like the the first bogs you meet is kind of a dirty talking detective Mm -hmm. from the (laughs) like the early 1900s and the most recent one was kind of this erudite um very serious no nonsense uh wise old sage and so i had to you know you know the 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 most recent bogs doesn't cuss as much the the first one cussed like a sailor and you know the first one isn't as smart as the other one and so you kind of have to play with uh what kind of words they use because even though we all like to make fun of it those of us with higher intelligence always manage to slip in big words because we want to impress people that won't be impressed by it (laughs) exactly 
What was the most difficult piece of dialogue you've had to write? I think I think anytime I get really depressing and I have characters explaining the the, the futility of life, that's always a really bad one for me. Um, I'll actually say writing the good guys is harder for me than writing the villains. I don't know what that mm-hmm. says about me, but I have so much more fun writing villains dialogue because I can just be as nasty as I want. Whereas, you know, I like to I, I like to have characters that are, you know, good. I don't like them being in the morally gray area all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I find romantic dialogue to be tricky for me because uh, I try to walk that that fine line of like not making it too disgustingly sweet, but also not making it sound like two robots are discovering love for the first time. And they're just <laughs> like, I don't know what this is. What do you think you could um, do to discover some some ways to improve that style of writing for yourself? I'm just thinking I like think... rom-coms don't necessarily tread that line very well, but they, they poke fun at it. Yeah. So it you, almost you'd works. Have to, you'd have to find like a really good, good one. one. And those, <laughs> those are hard. Those don't exist a lot because <laughs> they're, they're made to pander to what, Hollywood thinks women want in a movie. I'm beautiful and clumsy, and you tell me you'll tell me my eyes are gorgeous. <laughs> they they do that, and they did, then they do the mixture of "Don't worry, fellas, we also have some dialogue in here for you." Wink. <laughs> um. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I I pay attention to a lot of um, monologues to help me. Mm-hmm to write and i think i think you can find some really good romantic stories to to pull influences from while also just like paying attention to the way you know because we all have friends who are couples we all have friends who are in couples you know uh because i am who i am i tend to just listen to the way they talk even if i'm not paying attention to what they're saying um I try and, you know, pay attention to, to how they're saying. And I think that's how you can improve, at least if you're writing in my way. That's the problem with giving writing advice is that I can sit here and go, hey, this is how I do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it might not work for you. <laughs> writing is such a personal craft, though. and It is. It is. Even though like, it is very personal, just hearing how someone approaches their way. Yeah. Usually can help go, oh, light bulb. I won't do it exactly that way, but what if I tried? And then suddenly you can make some progress. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I, uh, that's how I, you know, improved my writing. I paid attention to what other writers were doing. And even if it didn't work out for me, I was like, oh, okay, well, this gets my brain working in a new way that helps me solve this other problem that I had that I didn't even know I had. <laughs> but, yeah, for the most part, writing is a lot of you just have to figure out what works for yourself. Yep. <laughs> Do you find yourself accidentally eavesdropping on conversations as quotation marks research? Oh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and it it annoys the people I'm with because because <laughs> sometimes I will get like really interested in it. And I don't mean to. I, I I legitimately don't mean to get into people's business, but sometimes I'll just be listening. I go, oh, man, <laughs> she's really giving it to him. Oh, he's really pissed. I got to write this down. These were some really good insults. I need to keep these for later. 
<laughs> How do you yeah, keep no track what... of those insults and things? Do you keep an actual like notebook with you or do you just like jot them down on your phone or something? No, I, I'll just keep repeating them to myself silently because <laughs> I'll just be like, oh, man, this was so funny. That's awesome. <laughs> and then that's your mantra until you get home. <laughs> what aspects of a conversation creates the most excitement for you? I like writing monologues. Monologues Ooh. really get me excited. And I don't know why. Because <laughs> I get like the background music in my head and I'm thinking about how the camera zooms in on it. If it was a scene from a movie and I'm just like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm really sticking it. I'm really bringing my point home. It never, it doesn't work out as much <laughs> as I wish it would, but. <laughs> you still aim for them. I mean, monologues, monologues are interesting because they really have to have a, just a, like a certain rhythm to them so that you stay engaged in them. Yeah, and... I would I would say monologues need to be pushing the plot forward mm -hmm. in some regard or else it just even I'll go like, OK, get off the stage. Boo. <laughs> that makes sense because you can only hear so much about a character when they're monologuing. Mm -hmm. Um and usually it says how narcissistic they are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm thinking of Hamlet at the moment because a lot of his monologues about, oh, woe is me and what is the state of life? I am your average emo teenager as it continues to be true. Um, but it really just says a lot about how trapped in his own head all of his monologues <laughs> show. <Yeah. laughs> I'm just your average emo teen. <laughs> Back in the day with fancy words. That's all. Uh, back in the day with my blood uh, <laughs> fidget spinners. <laughs> <laughs> you kids these days in your fidget watch spinners. Me, watch, me, watch me do a bone dab. <laughs> I'm 25. I'm still young. <laughs> don't, don't, don't mistake me for someone old, please. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, isn't like the uh, like the hoop with the stick the original fidget spinner? No, <laughs> yeah. Alex. The original, yes, Grandpa. <laughs> the original fidget spinner. You ready for this? Uh -huh. Your hands. What? Oh my God! You just wiggle your fingers and you're oh fidgeting. God. <laughs> so lame. Yes. Are there authors whose dialogue writing you really admire? Uh, I really like, uh, Joe Abercrombie's, um, he, he does the, uh, first law trilogy and there's a few other books, um, that aren't in that trilogy, but are in that world. Uh, I think he writes really great dialogue. Um, oh, I'm, I'm missing out on her name right now and I can't think of it. Um, she writes Miss Marvel. Um, I love the way. She writes characters. I think they're her dialogue's a lot of fun. I'll say it's it's a lot of fun to read. Um, uh, Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, I really like how he writes dialogue for like Saga and um, mm -hmm. some of the other stuff he's done. I like Hideo Kojima's dialogue, but for the different reasons. <laughs> yep, because they're delightfully bad. Yep. Sometimes epically bad dialogue can become an art form of its own. Well, he he I I will I will keep this mindset to the fucking grave. I will not change this viewpoint. 
Kojima is a fucking genius, but he goes about things the dumbest way possible. Like if you if you actually sat down and looked at the dialogue he wrote and, you know, I mean, mo- some of it's nonsense. Like some of it just doesn't have a purpose. I'm not going to sit here and say every <laughs> every line of dialogue is is something brilliant. But like he's trying to say something really poignant and you can get to that point. And you're like, oh, man, that's really great. But the way the characters say it is so delightfully stupid and (laughs) just no one talks like this snake do you think love blooms even on the battlefield (laughs) who the fuck says that nobody nobody yeah like when fucking fucking snake talks about taking care of your cardboard box it's really dumb but you can't help but be enraptured by it because you're just like this dude really loves his cardboard box you got to maintain that thing that's one thing i never thought about you have to put some duct tape on it you got to make sure it doesn't get too wet otherwise it gets soggy you got to maintain your box take care of your box so, speaking of things that you're reading, Lane. Mm-hmm. That's a video yes. game, so that's a plane. Or, or plane, sorry. I'm... Uh, nope, well, she's not <laughs> technically wrong because there's a really shitty novelization of Metal Gear Solid 1. There you go, see? Not technically wrong. But what sources do you like to pull from for inspiration? We've kind of touched on a few already, but mm-hmm. I'd like to um... hear some more. Okay, if we want some, if we want some more, I'm not one of those people that thinks he's like the greatest director of all time or anything, but uh, I really like how Quentin Tarantino writes conversation. It's still not it, it's I wouldn't say it's realistic in any way, but like that style is is really interesting, um, especially in pulp fiction. That kind of pulpy dialogue is really good. Um, and it changes. Like I, I think, uh, Hateful Eight. You know, the characters speak in a way different way than Pulp Fiction. Even a Django. You know, like he he uses uh, the settings and the types of movies that he's paying homage to, and make mixing them in with like a more modern flourish. Uh, anything Bioware writes uh, to an extent, not Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> nope. Um, that pile of flaming garbage anyway we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about how lane felt real disappointment this year in 2017 um but yeah uh bioware's use of dialogue um bethesda's especially like fallout um even if i'm not like taking exact references from them i remember those characters and the way they talked and how their dialogue brought out their character like uh, three dog from fallout three you know so I, I pull from i pull from a lot of things all at once did you get to play uh, the last of us oh yeah that's i i should have mentioned them too yeah naughty dog is also really good at uh storytelling but the last of us i think especially um and, you know Un- uncharted's all right it's just it's not my type of I'm not really into archaeology stories. <laughs> uh, I was kind of speaking to a friend earlier today uh, about something that kind of alludes to dialogue in and also games. Um, Arcane Studios, the guys who make uh, or the people who make uh, the Dishonored series and uh, the New Prey, mm-hmm. 
they are really, really good at creating atmospheric dialogue. Um, like, I'm not going to say every piece of dialogue is important in the way that, like, oh, it, this explains this, but it they are really good at making dialogue that makes you go, okay, wow, this world is actually lived in. And, um, like they're they're living people uh prey especially like you just you learn so much more from like dialogue and and audio logs and i think i think that's another reason why dialogue is so important because it can just do a lot of tangential world building for you mm -hmm. yeah most uh, definitely yeah like dark souls kind of does that it's it's more vague and like you get most of the stories out of item descriptions but you know, some of the things the characters say and how they say them can make you go, oh, wow, I wonder if this has any sort of connection to this thing or or this explains you know, a fucking painting in a castle that I saw. And that's cool. I didn't know that I needed that information, but I'm glad that I have it now. Yeah, that's that's really cool when you um, like it's like when I was playing the, uh, the Metroid Prime series games like and you would just find things through logs. And, and it would uh, explain a lot more about the world and build the world for you, not through direct cinematics or anything, but through through just exposition, through, you know, logs and dialogue and that kind of thing. Yeah, and, and, and if done right, you know, you don't need them to make a great story, but it can make, but if you do pay attention to them, it can make a great story even better. Yeah, it really can. Though, on the opposite end of the spectrum, sometimes having... Like, a moment of silence can really change a conversation up when you're, when, like, someone just doesn't respond or something. Um, oh, yeah. So how how often do you use the technique of just adding some silence or adding some space to a dialogue scene? And, and when do you like to use that? Um, I like to, I, I, I use the silence when, like, um there's some heavy information given or there's a, a plot twist given. Um, uh, I think it's really effective there. Um, I naturally just have a lot of pauses between things because I don't have music in the show. Um, but I think but it was one of the things I learned early on because uh, you guys listened to the first season. Mm -hmm. There was no pause. It was mm -hmm. just I was going – like at a speed of like 60 miles an hour trying to get everything out. Yeah. And I think the story was lessened by that because especially with the dialogue, you didn't have any time to let that have weight in what was going on. It was just, and I'm already on the next thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think especially when you're narrating and, and you've gotten to dialogue, I think it's important to leave that, that pause in there. And once again, it doesn't have to be with everything. Just like if, if you want to, if you want a particular sentence or a particular phrase to stick i think you should use silence to sort of let people process that mm -hmm. so it's not even necessarily just for your character to have a moment and think it's about having your audience have a chance to oh, yeah. really process what just happened so that mm -hmm, makes sense absolutely. silence is a moment for us to catch up yeah so lane <laughs> mm -hmm. yes do you ever play with a character's body language to change the meaning of their words? Oh yeah, yeah. I think um, I think body language and tone both play together to to get a message across. Because you know, it's I I know for a fact my parents said it all the time. 
Uh, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can even be how you look while you're saying it. Um, and, you know, sometimes we're not thinking about the, the physical. We're thinking about, you know, the tone and making ourselves sound sincere. But, you know, we give off a body language that's like, I'm not really worried about what you're saying and I'm not taking anything that you're saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've mastered my tone in such a way that uh, <laughs> you, you'd think I was being sincere. But, you know, then you see me leaning against a table reading a book and you know that I'm not really paying attention. <laughs> it so, really I think, it I think, says a lot. Yeah, like, uh, I think body language plays more into it than we'd like to, we'd like to think. That's why I think it would be terribly, (laughs) it would be terrible for me to be like an actual, like, on stage or on camera actor. Yeah. Because I, I do not pay attention to my own body language at all. And (laughs) (laughs) so your parents were telling you that for a reason, huh? (laughs) Uh, probably. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Well, and, and I also just, I, I had a problem growing up where I did not think about how I was saying something. And, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of in a way wasn't hearing my own voice. And so sometimes you're like, well, they sound, well you sound annoyed. It's like, well, I'm not, but. <laughs> and now you're a better voice actor because of it. Thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Lane. Yes. Uh, we've again touched on this just a little bit, but what are some warning signs of really badly written dialogue? Um, I would say uh, my number one is overly stereotypical mm. dialogue and to the and, and borderline racist and sexist. You can tell when someone's being <laughs> not great with a certain race or a certain gender of yeah. people. Um you know, we, I can't remember the name of it, but we have that test where it's like if two women are in a, in a scene and they talk about boys, you know, uh, we, if you're a really bad writer, you tend to throw in a lot of yo dogs and honkies when you're writing a black character. Um, I think those are my number ones. Cause a lot of the time I, I can I can try and muster through someone overly explaining something through dialogue that no normal human being would go through the process of saying mm-hmm. um, pandering uh, <laughs> pandering dialogue, racist dialogue, sexist dialogue. I can't. Sometimes we don't think about it. Sometimes, especially if we're not part of a certain group, we don't think about how we're writing, and we you know need to grow into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can tell when someone just doesn't give a shit. Yeah. And that's that's my biggest pet peeve is cuz once again, no one actually talks like that. Like there's no there's no black person that actually talks like that. Nope. <laughs> unless they're being facetious, in which case, yeah. Yeah, but unless they're making, they're making <laughs> yeah, like if they're making a point then yeah, but like no one is naturally just talking like that. No mm-hmm. woman is naturally talking like that. And that's that's the biggest thing. There there's some where it, it also just st- sounds uh stilted. Yeah. And you know, there was <laughs> there was a tip I learned in writing which uh when I first heard about it, I was like, "Well, this is bullshit. This is just English professors being really uptight about things." But, um, you know, when you can say don't, don't, you know, don't say do not. 
you know, yeah. when, you know, say can't instead of, you know, cannot, because sometimes that comes stilted in the dialogue, at least in my opinion, I could be wrong. No, I think you're right, because if, if a character saying, I cannot do this, they're either a specific kind of character or they cannot get into character and therefore are wooden puppets. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, I won't it do always... that. I don't believe that. I do not believe this. Oh, I, okay. <laughs> I I can't remember specifically, but there was... Um, there were a couple audiobooks being made for a series and the, the narrator would just straight up not say, you know, if there was cannot, he would just say can't cause, <laughs> cause I think he knew like, if I say cannot, I'm just going to sound Wooden. like a robot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was, um, definitely something that as I've been going back into some of my older writing, like I've been going mm -hmm. back through old stories and just laughing at some of my, I was, totally guilty of using big vocabulary words for the sake of using vocabulary words when i i, I wrote a story about a clandestine cat why because mm -hmm. i just learned the word clandestine <laughs> <laughs> um, or or i would try to use my essay writing rules to write dialogue and it just, uh, I cannot believe that I wrote these things that do not work. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was definitely guilty of that. But it's kind of nice to see that as my personal writing has progressed at least a little bit, I've mm -hmm. it's started to sound more natural. And uh, I think working in theater and acting helped it a lot because as I was speaking things, then I realized, oh, wait. This this feels weird. Why does this feel weird? Oh, oh yeah. because they wrote like, it weird. Oh. Yeah, I think you I think you have to like have some sort of conversational skill mm -hmm. to to really write, you know, a good dialogue. Absolutely. Because um, if you don't and and I'm not saying I'm a social person at all, but I I talk to at least one person a day, you know. <laughs> Um, but if you're like completely outside of that and you don't like speak to anybody, I can't imagine you being able to, to create, you know, really a great dialogue. Cause how are you going to know when the flow doesn't sound right? Right. Cause even if and, you speak and, it out loud, you're not going to know. And I should say it's not impossible cause there are obviously people who cannot speak. Oh, totally. I'm saying as someone who can speak, I, if if I did not use that skill, I don't know how I would be able to perfect it. I did not hit her. I did not. <laughs> I did. Everybody needs to watch Tommy Wiseau because he is a genius. <laughs> I got back from the, I got back from the doctors. It's definitely cancer. <laughs> it's definitely cancer. Well, they have cures for that every day. <laughs> oh, I fucking love the little nod she gives after she says it's definitely cancer. She's just so proud of herself. Like, yeah, I got breast cancer. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> like, cancer. Yeah, it, and and the other the other like her daughter nods with her, and I was like, like what mm. kind of fucking aliens are you? <laughs> Everybody in this movie's bad. I think she calls it the cancer. The cancer. Yeah, it's I definitely the, the cancer. cancer. 
that now talk about some weird dialogue. <laughs> that entire movie is all just super awkward, awkward dialogue <laughs> scenes. Yeah. How's your how's your sex life? <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> oh hi, Dougie. <laughs> You're my best oh, customer. You're my favorite customer. Yeah. Oh God. No. <laughs> you want some bad dialogue, folks? Go watch the word if the, you haven't. The room. Seen the room. You worked oh, on the wait, word. Oh wait, I worked on the word. You worked on the word. That's a different movie. That, that is was... a very. That actually had good dialogue. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> oh, I see, I see what you were doing. You were trying to do some promoting there because people would go like, "Oh my God, what's the word? It apparently has really bad dialogue. I have to watch it. Oh no, it's actually really great." <laughs> I was totally bamboozled. Take all of my money. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn. Bamboozled by podcasters again. Ah, those marmy podcasters. And they're bamboozling. <laughs> I just feel like I need to use <laughs> random words now. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lane, for talking to us today and talking with oh, us course. about your, your, your writing and your process. Where can people find more? From you and uh, more of your work. More of uh, you and more of your work. <laughs> well, if you want to find me on the, the Twitter, uh, where I, I have a link to the other my podcast Twitters, you can find me at the underscore Lane Lloyd. Uh, I'm pansexual healing. That's my <laughs> username. Yes, it is. Um, if you want to find Sable, you can find it on sable.lipson.com. And if you want to find impromptu fiction with Lane and friends, uh, that is, let me pull that up right now. Cause I forgot what I made that website's title. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just impromptu fic at libson.com. There you go. Yeah. See, I did it. Good job, Lane. Yeah. <laughs> so again, thank you for joining us today. And, uh, I'm sorry, we went so far off the handle. <laughs> I'm not. Slash, not entirely. Not. It's, I'm glad it's that almost John like Wick exactly what happened last time. <laughs> I mm -hmm. know, right? I still really enjoyed that. That's why we brought you back, because you're fun. <laughs> also intelligent. It's a good combo. <laughs> well, that's sorry. the first time I've been called intelligent. I'm going to write that on the board right now. Maybe we should just switch it up. Someone, uh... someone are think I'm smart. Yay! Yeah. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much, Lane Lloyd, for coming on our show today. If you enjoyed today's show and you want to find out more about this particular episode, you can go to our website, and that's podcast.ninthstory.com. That's the number 9thstory.com forward slash S6E06. That's season six, episode six. Please tune in next week as we'll have on the author of Ella Enchanted, Gail Carson Levine. We are super excited to have Gail on our show. We'll be talking with Gail about the topic, how do you create magic through words? Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay creative, my friends. Nothing but fidget spinners and pumpkin spiced lattes on this episode. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.